So what I said last time was um, we're going to spend some time thinking about the uh, words that we have on the walls here, well, not the, the pictures we have on the walls. God is very creative. You might have noticed that. He, he has lots of colors in his world. Uh, we all look different. Um, there's this incredible variety, and yet somehow we, we sometimes uh, reduce him to something very small, very monochrome, very black and white. It's no surprise that if God is real, we're going to spend a lot of our time scratching our heads saying, I don't get it. And so when we talk about the angelic, for instance, angels and the demonic, many of us just, you know, the, 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 the world without God just diminishes it all. All they do is say, well, it's psychological and psychosomatic. And, and so just reduces it down to something. But if God, if, by, if God is real, he has to be bigger than us. He's got to be greater. He's got to be more magnificent. He's got to be able to do things that we can't do. We get quite impressed now because we've got computers and we get quite impressed with technology. And it is impressive on a sort of baby scale when it comes to God. And so there's an element of learning how to be like children, which is always learning how to be willing to be surprised, willing to be not understanding, willing to enter into the bigness of God um, and, and not be frightened by it. And so, you know, we don't want to explain everything away and we don't want to be those who have to understand everything. What we want to be are those who understand enough to be able to handle what we don't understand. And the, re the way you get to handle enough is to get to know who Jesus is. And then, I mean, I say this at every funeral. I haven't got a clue why some people don't get healed. Lots of people don't get healed. I don't have a clue why some people do. I don't have a clue about most things, actually. All I know is that when God is in the room, he is true and good and faithful and kind. And so I believe, uh, you know, we have these two pictures. Last week we spoke about that one which came from Toronto uh, Airport in 2009 speaking about God's faithfulness and talking about how um, God is big enough for us in those hands. And those hands we thought about last week represent our offering to God. Here I am, Lord, I give you all I am. And we hear in the prophetic word that came with that picture um, you know, what you offer me is enough for me to work with. I'm so thrilled with that. And then we got this from uh, Bethel about three years ago, I guess, was it? Um, which was uh, painted uh, during the time they experienced what they called a glory cloud. In fact, you were there and you said you went home early. Can you imagine that? How do you live with yourself? <laughs> Tish was there. It was a cool, I mean, it's just one of those things. And so, yeah, I'm sure we'll see another one. But they, were, they, they had this cloud of, I think it was gold, like gold dust. And, and Someone like me goes, yeah, but I have to sort of admit that and then not give it authority. Because you see, I can disclaim, because I, I, I sort of spend a lot of time in my head, <laughs> I can explain things or go, no, and then I can go to the place of, well, all these wacky experiences and expressions that are broadcast everywhere. And so I can then push away everything that's supernatural because of the bad expressions of it. And I don't want to do that because then there's no mystery and there's no possibility of something. And so I'll read to you what the woman, her name is um, Teresa Dedman. Her husband uh, teaches at Bethel. This painting represents the glory angelic realm which creates a road into the realms of his presence and leads us into an adventure of intimacy and kingdom reality. I painted this when there was a glory cloud in Bethel sanctuary. I really believe that it hosts the presence and is a prophetic word for the church for the new season that you're entering. I also believe that I needed to release this word before anything was finalized. We had a whole hassle in buying this thing. Fred and I were there, and I, I can't even remember the story, but it was just misunderstandings, and I think I bought it for 750 and she thought it was 1700 
And so it was very gracious. There was no tension in it, but it was just, and that's what she's referring to. It seemed to be muddle. And anyway, we got it. So right now, as you read this and as you look at this painting, this day and season, God is releasing the angelic and glory into your church and vision. Stretch out and discover the mysteries that only you can find in him and through him. The thing that's really struck me as I sort of have been thinking about these pictures is that they're situated, one's from the, west, the east coast of Canada, one's from the west coast of North America. And they're two prophetic words about God's openness, God's provision, God's safety, and also the glory of the open heaven, which means all I have is yours. You know what the open heaven is? The open heaven is what Jesus released. I'll actually go back to my notes in a minute. What is the most profound thing for me and the thing that is our greatest challenge is we have these great pictures on the wall and we are the ones who live between them. And the fulfillment of those words will only be fulfilled as we who live between them actually receive them. And one of the things that we can easily do is keep on saying, well, God's given us this word, it's going to happen. And God's going to say, well, it can only happen if there are people to put their feet in the promised land. It can only happen if people who hear my word actually let me lead them and guide them so they can enter into the fullness of that word on earth as in heaven. We tend to want magic. We tend to want God to do it all. And he says, I will do it in you and through you. And that's an invitation. The promise is, come. The promise is, all I have is yours. And we are still coming out of a cocoon-like belief system. Tends to want to just have God help me survive. It's a kind of survival mentality or, or fill me with your spirit and give me some anointed gift overnight. And God doesn't do that, usually. Driving over here today, I was thinking, you know, God is a gardener. He's a gardener. How many of you have bulbs in your garden that aren't going to bloom until after winter? So what if he's put bulbs in you that when a particular season is over, they will bloom? Everything about gardening is pruning and planting and nurturing. What if that's how God works with us? Everything is, it's not magic. The only magic where you get instant garden is fake flowers. The only magic is if you're going to have fake stuff to present, but then there's no fragrance and there's no substance. And so I want to encourage us to, you know, God is gardening in you and me. And sometimes I'd rather he didn't dig around. And other times it's cool. But you can't always have the blessings. You have to have the... The, the weeding and the, and the digging around to get rid of some stuff. And that's why these two pictures are important because in that one we talked about the fire of God coming and the fire of God comes not only to empower but also to burn away the things that get in the way. And sometimes we are trying to do it all and God says, if you just come into my presence, I will actually begin to work in you to enable those things to be accomplished that just willpower won't do. I don't know how you do, but willpower doesn't, is not that great. I mean, how are you with willpower? I can't even give up food for very long. It's getting too visible. I'm getting too convicted. Um, but there's, a, there's an element of, you know, we can try so many times, but so often it doesn't last. And so we needed that deep work that Kiwit was talking about of God's spirit in us, that bubbling up. That's streams of living water, isn't it? I create in you streams of living water. So this is a wonderful promise. It's a wonderful picture of God. Look at this, the, the, one of the core, uh, I'm going to just rush through in one sense a bunch of verses relating to the open heaven. And the first one was what we read, which was Jacob's dream at Bethel. And he saw, this is, this is as you know, inspired Led Zeppelin into a stairway to heaven. He didn't understand it. 
But he saw the stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Why? Because God has come to be with his people and to help his people. It was prophetic. He said he would help. He, in the Old Testament, he's helping individuals. He's anointing individuals. In the New Testament, it's like everyone's welcome. And so he has this a picture, and what does he say? He says, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Of course, Jacob at this point isn't even married. And God will often speak about things that haven't, you can't have a clue how it's going to happen. And what does he say? Um, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. He's saying to, to Jacob what Jesus promises every single one of us. And When Jacob woke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and this is the key and I was not aware of it. And I believe that's a word for us today. Surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. What if the Lord is in this place whether I'm aware of it or not? That's called faith. But I've had, I think, Beth, uh, Bev once said, you know, I've seen angels here in this building somewhere. And I, I, I know Sean has said that too. So I, I've seen, you know, they say, oh, I saw an angel. Up, and I go, oh, I don't see anything. I'm just encouraging some of us. But I'm not cynical about that. I go, that's cool. And I, I, I expect there to be angels here right now. Now, why are they here? Because it seems they, you know, just as the, we, we do deliverance and say the demonic causes us to do negative things. Well, the angels out, outnumber the demonic two to one because so, a third fell. So what if the angels are doing battle with the demonic and actually are releasing power among us and in, in us? Um, the danger and what happens and what we mustn't do is start talking to angels. I'm not talking about what Kiwi's talking about. I'm just talking about you don't call up angels. You don't have the authority and you don't have the, you have, you don't have the directive. Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the one to whom he, 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 he talks to the angels. You talk to angels if angels appear like Kiwit and they engage with you because then they're coming on Jesus' command. The New Age movement and the secular movement worship angels. It actually says in the Bible not to. So we've got to be very careful about that. Um, so Jesus, of course, takes this picture and then when he's calling his disciples, you remember he sees Nathan uh, Nathaniel in John 1.5 and he talks about Nathaniel. Uh, he tells Nathaniel. Uh, something about him and, and, and Nathaniel is quite astonished. Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching. He said of him, how true, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. In other words, he said, he has a good man. Here's, the other version says, a man without guile. He's, he's, he's authentically honest and good. And Nathaniel says, how do you know me? Now, Jesus is fully human. What he's operating here in is with a gift of knowledge. It's not, oh, God was walking on the earth in Jesus and he knows everything. No, Jesus was limited just as we are. The Spirit of God in him gave him a word of knowledge of Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was very impressed. And Jesus said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called. And, and, and Nathanael said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, you believe me because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than that. Truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus is the access to heaven and from heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. So we're going to go into an Advent season. You're going to get free booklets next week. We're going to run a theme um, through Advent. And what happens, Advent is the season of Christmas.
And what, do we, what is Christmas full of? It's full of angels. It's full of angels. Angels appear to Mary. Angels appear to Joseph. Angels appear to the shepherds. And we are those who actually say that the core of our Christian faith is built on the supernatural. All the revelation that happens around Christmas is totally supernatural. Angel appears, I will, you will be pregnant. Angel appears, do not be afraid. Angels appear, peace on earth, goodwill to all men. What happens if God says, this is, this is where we're going. This is the, my spirit on all flesh. This is God come to earth, God with us. God comes with his friends. God comes with his, those who serve him. God comes with angels to do his will. I had a prophetic word that I think it said I had two angels guarding me. It's a cool idea. I'm not being funny. I, sometimes I'm so saying to Cheryl, um, you know, when I drive into town, I have this, I, I, I play games. I mean, I have this picture of, I'm a general coming into Port Alberni and I have this cavalcade of angels around me and they, they fly in formation. They, with, the angels are God's air force. And, and so there's an element of just going, you see, where we're going today is what would it be like for you to live and me to live from a place of God's presence and his protection and his provision? Whether I knew he was here or not. Many of us, including myself, can get too locked into our feelings. I don't feel his presence, so he can't be present. God isn't that fickle. Faith is about believing what I don't yet see, trusting him when I don't experience anything. That's why I also need friends. It's helpful to have coffee with Kiwi and, and, and hear her uh, stories about experiencing God because it helps me. And I can get jealous and say, well, I don't see why she should get it and I don't. And her husband, by the way, doesn't say that at all. You're blessed by it. But we bring some other gift. We bring something else. And together we experience the fullness of God. And so at, as, as Jesus came to earth and Emmanuel dwelt among us, the angel activity seemed to heighten and increase. And the awareness of it on earth. And so when, you know, it's interesting even though when, when Matthew speaks about Jesus coming, uh, he, he gives us 42 generations of before Jesus and then God uh, released an angel to announce the coming of Jesus into the midst of this very human procreation and then God. God is amazing. He, can, he has the ability to do anything and he doesn't have to ask our permission which really, really irritates us. And he invites us into this relationship with him. You remember when, when Jesus, finally at 30, he steps into the river and John the Baptist is there and the Holy Spirit comes in the form of a dove and it says the heavens opened. We don't have to pray for an open heaven. The heaven opened when Jesus was baptized. And Jesus lived under that open heaven and he, he released power, he released presence, he released all the gifts of the Spirit. He healed the sick. You know the story. He was operating fully human, as human as any one of us, with absolutely our limitations. He was without sin, but nothing Jesus did, he did and said, you wouldn't be able to do this. Everything Jesus did was within the capacity of a human being filled with God's Spirit. And that's why he said, those who follow me will be able to do what I do. But there are two ways of living, because Jacob, as Jacob said, I, I was not aware. So you can have people in this room right now hearing God and others not hearing anything, saying, what's for lunch? God's present. Faith take hold, takes hold of that. And how faith takes hold of it is you, that's why I said it right at the beginning of the service. God is into relationship with us and that relationship demands engagement. So the way you relate with God is you take the next step that rises up from within you. So if you, for instance, sit here and say, I don't believe in this, 
then you go out of here and start saying, well, then what's the next question you have to help you either prove your unbelief or find that you're wrong? If you do nothing, then you just remain hard-hearted and you actually remain cynical and you won't do anything, nothing will change. But if you actually look for the next question, the next answer, the next thing, then that will open up. Does it make sense? That's called relationship. There's an element where you can ask God to work in your life and you can ask God to, to do all kinds of things, but if I don't engage in it, nothing will change. I say, well, I prayed to God and nothing happened. What did you think would happen? Magic? God wants a humble spirit, a teachable heart. And that means, that means respond to the things that I give you. Respond to those around you. Be inquisitive and you will see me working. He's doing all kinds of things with me right now and most of it I don't really like, quite honestly. And I want to kind of go, I'm 63, I'm done with this inner healing stuff. I'm now done. This is it, whether you like it or not. And apparently nobody likes it, so I've got to do more work. And there's an element of the irritation of it and yet at the same time the kind of sense of, but I don't want to stop here. And so it never ends. But it's not all bad, it's just it's an ongoing journey. And Jesus lived with this open heaven, which is about open to God, accessing God, and God accessing us. It talks about the, uh, in the, when Jesus went to the wilderness, the, an angel appeared to him or attended to him. At, in Gethsemane, when he was just before the cross, an angel strengthened him. In Acts 7, Stephen, when Stephen was martyred, he was stoned, and, and Saul was there, who was Paul, giving permission. Uh, he said, I see the, he- the heavens open. And he saw an angelic presence. In uh, Acts 12, 7, Peter is in prison and an angel comes to set him free. In Acts 27, Paul is in a shipwreck and an angel appears to him to tell him to not be afraid, nobody's going to be lost. In Revelation 1, John speaks about an angel helping him make sense of the revelation he had so he could write it down. Hebrews 1 says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Psalm 103 says, He's the Lord of all with angels doing his bidding. Angels come as winds and fire, like Pentecost. So an open heaven is merely, when Jesus went to the cross and he took the penalty for our sin, he basically opened up the door. He said, what I have just been doing over the last three years is what somebody without sin can do who is open to God living under an open heaven. You see, sin is the barrier, like that cave with the Chilean miners. Sin locks us up. But God came down through Jesus and opened us up and said, there's another way to live. So when Jesus went to the cross and he rose from the cross, he basically opened up heaven for all people. So actually heaven is open for everyone, believer or not believer. But you only access the open heaven through Jesus because that's the ladder. So Jesus said to Jerusalem, how I long that you would come to me, but you would not. I wrote a thing for Trail Notes next week. I've written it already. I was thinking around how Jesus is like an insurgent in fact, I'll give you I'll give you a heads up. And it's called it's called the man from the Middle East, and I was playing with the idea of what's it like to be a terrorist, and how God infiltrated into, and he was basically embedded in Nazareth for 30 years, and then he exploded onto the scene, but he didn't take any prisoners, and he never harassed anyone. He came to release love, and goodness, and kindness, and love will ultimately win. But you see, the Christians need to learn how to be empowered so that they actually can make a difference and can be used to overcome evil, can be salt and light. The terrorists get, you know, they, they get their, their ringleader was in Paris, but the rest are in Syria. Our ringleader is in heaven. But if we don't listen to him, we won't see what he does. We don't know what he does. And the invitation is, 
for us to live as people who have access to heaven. Does it make sense to you? It doesn't, I don't actually care in one sense if it makes sense. It doesn't really make sense to me. And what I mean by that is I can understand some of it, but I can't understand all of it at all, which makes sense. So what happens if you, you right now are also under an open heaven? This isn't just a picture. It's a declaration. Because when Jesus rose from the dead and he poured out his spirit and the, the, the disciples had tongues of fire and flame on them, it was basically God saying what that says up there, I will pour out my spirit on all people. So he says, everything is yours. What do you need? The thing is that to live under an open heaven means I need to learn how to listen. Those Chilean miners were not shouting up orders. They were receiving supplies. They were in a bad place. Sometimes we're shouting out too many directives. We have too many issues that we're telling God what to do with rather than saying, here I am. And we will get a lot further in life when we humbly say, Lord, I trust you with my life. I want to serve you. I want, I want my life to be nothing more than, as somebody said, small change, you using change in your hand. I want my life to work in the way that you want it to work. Not because I'm a slave to you. I just know that that's what will bring me to life. One of the things in this church, I'll say it to you very simply, one of the things that is hindering this church is we, we need more people to sacrifice time to do ministry to release what God wants to do. It's really simple. We live between these prophetic words. And very often, all I hear is, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. And you go, well, I'm not going to argue. But in God's economy, he has time for what we need time for. But we will not enter into all that heaven has for us if we're not willing to let go of all that earth seduces us. And that's what the learning curve is about. All I'm busy with turns to dust. All he's busy with turns to gold. There's no accusation. It's just an invitation. Invitation, invitation, invitation. And why we need one another is because we need to encourage one another how to take hold of heaven and let go of earth. And because earth is all we know, it's hard for us to do that. So that's why we have testimony, to encourage, encourage, encourage. We done? That makes sense? So, wherever you are now, whatever your issues are in your life, you live under an open heaven, which means there is no reason why everything God has for you to be completely alive right where you are right now should not be true for you. Jesus says to us, he said, ask, seek, and knock. That's how the kingdom of heaven works. Ask, seek, and knock means tell me what you want. Knock and tell me, try and get access. Just you take some initiative and watch me respond. Here are some phrases as we close and then I'm going to invite us to pray together. Jesus said we should pray for the kingdom of God to come and for his will to be done in our lives as it is in heaven. In heaven, there is no lack, no poverty, no sickness, no defeat, no fear, no strife, no failure. There is no depression or backbiting or lying or treachery. So when we have those negative things, we bring them into the open heaven and Jesus says straight to the cross because he doesn't have it, so he's not giving it. So if we have it, we say, where did I get this from? Well, you got it from around you or in you. So that's when I come and say, Jesus, I just ask you to cleanse me. I ask you to forgive me. I want to let this go because I want to live under your, the gifts that come from heaven, not the ones that are on earth. He never accuses, he just alerts us to it. Satan keeps accusing us and saying, look, you're dirty again. That'll never change. That's why I keep saying the cross is like a shower. Just as your body needs a shower every day to keep clean, so we need the blood of Jesus every day to be clean. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There is forgiveness through his blood, so get it. And every time you're aware of something, confess it. It's called grace. As we pray in one place under one anointing for the purpose of glorifying God, he will rip the heavens again and release his presence and his power. 
Every one of us will be filled with the power of God as the disciples were. The disciples were never the same after they experienced the heavens opening. They became fearless before God and the world. Powerful miracles started to happen. He wants a people who will love, serve, and obey him. He wants to stabilize and establish us. The church must grow up because God wants a people who are responsible under the anointing. So there are two things that are always going on. God is either going to heal us more deeply or he's going to release his spirit through us more powerfully. So I'm going to encourage you or invite you. Um, you know, this, this picture is meant to be on that wall. Let's ask him to take us further as a church and as individuals. So I'm going to say to you, if you'd like to stand, if you'd like to come up to the front and say, here I am, Lord, then let's do that. The reason for coming up to the front is just an invitation. There's no pressure. I'm not, I, I've learned I've got to be nice. I'm merely just say it, it's, it's an opportunity for us sort of symbolically to do things. Um, but just because we're such a, a private people and we're so proud and all the rest of it, because all we, all, what we're doing right now is just saying, Jesus, I want to know you better. I want to, I want to be part of this prophetic word spoken over this church. I want to bring you the stuff. I mean, if a dog comes to the front, then anybody can make it. Um, I want, you know, I, I, just, I just want you... On that picture over there, we're coming to the front to say, Lord, I offer you all that I am, all that I know that I can offer you. I offer you. I offer you my life. I offer you all that I have. I even offer you that my fear of what you will do with me if I offer it to you. God loves you. He absolutely delights you. You're standing for somebody who loves you at a deeper level than anybody, anybody loves and I don't understand that either. I'm still trying to learn that. But he does. And just as Kiwi talked about being in the presence of an angel and not feeling condemned, well, if an angel doesn't condemn and is loving, how much more is Jesus? And then he's also speaking from that picture on the right, on my right, your left, about the hands that will support you. And he also, Father, we're praying for that your fire to come down. And that fire not only empowers, it warms, it heals but it burns away the things that get in the way. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. We stand under an open heaven. So you have this picture of, we like little bits of kindling. And when we all come together, there's a big flame, big fire. We need each other. Burn, Lord. Burn. Let your spirit burn. Let your fire burn. And for some of us, we haven't burned for a long time. That means passion. So Father, I ask your spirit to anoint us this morning with your presence and your passion that we would burn for you. Come Holy Spirit. There's absolutely no pressure here. It's just peace. Thank you, Jesus. So thank him in your heart. Thank him. Just thank him. Don't wait for feeling. Don't worry about the feelings. Some will have them. Just thank him. Thank him for his presence. Thank him for his love for you. Thank you that if you look up, you can see heaven because it's open above you. So all he has is yours. And sometimes our eyes get diverted to the ground and then we get all negative and we get all depressed and we get all very small. And so God just says, lift up your eyes to the heavens. I am good. I'm faithful. I haven't forgotten about you. There's a testimony here that I just felt I should read. I think it's for somebody of that great uh, spiritual network on Facebook. A couple of weeks ago, I was, di- I, was, I was diagnosed with anxiety. I would get these sudden panic attacks that brought worry, nervousness. It made me feel helpless. It scared me so much I thought I was going to die soon. But a week ago, I went to the church on a Sunday and on that day, God spoke to me through my pastor's preaching, he called everyone to the altar and I suddenly felt the need to go. At that point I said, Father, I know I have failed you many times in my life. I know that I am a sinner, but I come to you for forgiveness. 
And Father God, I ask you to take the spirit of anxiety away from me in the name of Jesus. I'm just reading you how you come to the front. And in seconds, I couldn't resist but to cry. I cried out like never before. I felt the Holy Spirit healing me. And since that Sunday, it's been almost a week and I have no more anxiety attacks. I can say that I am free. And he broke those chains that were ruining my life. So I say, if you feel that you're hopeless, know that there is an almighty God who can heal. And so, Father, we just speak over one another anything that we bring to the front right now that's in our hearts, things that we're struggling with, things that we can't get rid of, whatever it is. In the name of Jesus, I speak freedom. In the name of Jesus, I speak freedom. In the name of Jesus, I speak healing. In the name of Jesus, I speak breaking through. In the name of Jesus, I call faith up. And Jesus, we want to be a people who boast about your goodness, your faithfulness, your power, how you have touched our lives, how you have set us free, how you have risen up inside us to lead us into places we never dreamt we would ever be, either as an individual or as a church. And we take responsibility, Father, for the fulfillment of your prophetic words over us. And as individuals, we say, Lord, here I am, use me. I give you myself today that you would use me and that you would actually release in me gifts and prophetic utterances and and supernatural things that will enable me to do extraordinary things and you will receive the glory. And I'm no longer going to say to you, I'm just human. I'm no longer going to say I'm not good enough. I'm no longer going to say, oh, I've still got sin in my life. I'm going to say you are greater than all the things that I am struggling with. And so I'm going to speak from that place of acceptance and inheritance and power and blessing. So receive the blessing of the living God. Receive the love of the living God. Receive the healing of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. I believe God also wants to say to you, will you lay down your desire for magic once and for all? Which means, I'm just going to flick my fingers and you're not going to have to do anything. Will you just let me garden in you and nurture the seeds I have placed in you and the ones that I saw will plant in you? Will you humble yourself And just let me work in you and through you. And will you lay down your agenda? Will you lay down telling me what I need to do? And will you lay down blaming other people for why you can't do what I'm calling you to do? That's something he's getting at me a lot. Stop blaming everyone else. Stop whining. I hate that. So Father, we just thank you for what you are depositing here right now. Thank you, Jesus. Receive the Holy Spirit afresh. Receive His fullness. Receive His strength. Receive His grace. Receive His life. Receive His love. Receive His presence and His power. He's for you, not against you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I call faith to rise up. In the name of Jesus. Place your hand on the people next to you. Just ask blessing. It's a good thing for us to always do that because we're not alone. We're not islands. Just speak blessing in the name of Jesus. Speak blessing in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Just release your blessing through this body. We need one another. We thank you for one another. We thank you that we're not alone. We thank you that we don't have to do this journey on our own. We thank you that we can encourage one another. We thank you that when we are weak, somebody else is strong. And when they are weak, we can be strong. We thank you for the gift of a body and a community. And Father, we just speak against a poverty mindset, a poverty spirit, a mindset of isolation, a mindset of we're not included. We just break those lies in the name of Jesus. All are welcome. All are welcome. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Father. And I just pray as we go from this place, we would know your encouragement. We would know your goodness. And we would just see in a new way 
what it means to live under an open heaven and that you actually provide angels to work around us and go before us. So we thank you for them. We thank you for the angels. And we pray, Father, right now for the next, this Christmas season that this would be the best Christmas season we've ever had. That Santa Claus wouldn't have a hope. That Jesus would be Lord. Amen.